Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. And welcome to the weekend preview on the Athletic Football Podcast, sponsored by Bet365. I'm Dan Bardell, and each and every Friday, myself and George Ellick will preview the best of the weekend's Premier League action alongside Bet365's Steve Freeth. On this week's show, we'll talk about Ronaldo's sore back ahead of the Manchester derby, Aaron Ramsdale's rapidly rising England stock, and will James Ward-Prowse hurt Aston Villa again? I'm going to go with yes. Right, first up though, guys, Antonio Conte is back in the Premier League. I'm excited by this. I think this will be good for the Premier League. I think it will be good for Spurs' top four hopes, Steve. Have the odds changed now he's at Spurs? Yeah, just a little bit, Dan. Uh, seven into six, top four. Eleven away into five to four, top six. Oh. I know he's ex-Wolves, but I just felt for Nuno a little bit against United. You could just see it all all tumbling down in front of him. I think it was it was quite uh, quite inevitable. They've acted very quickly, and for me, they've got the right man in. I think it'd be good good for the Premier League and and, and very good for Tottenham Hotspur and a clear upgrade for me. Yes, yeah, slightly frustrating for Spurs, George, is that they've kind of wasted ten games because this is what they wanted back in the summer. I don't know what they've offered differently now, but he's there eventually. I mean, you could look at it two ways, couldn't you? Either either it's frustrating they've ever given up 10, 10 games or at least they've got a manager bad enough and, and sackable enough that um, they were able to dispense with them pretty quickly and bring in the man they wanted all along because um, there's no denying that bad decisions have led to the best outcome for Spurs. I, I found it quite surprising um, to see how much of the narrative around Conte seems to be around the the way that he leaves teams after he, he leaves them. Um there's no denying that some of his recruitment has been centred around buying players who, let's say, are, are ready to play rather than investing in youth. But the dramatic just shift in trajectory of, of every team he's managed in the last decade um, is, is pretty striking. I, I do think we are going to see a very quick improvement because he is a top-level tactician. He's a top-level man-manager, at least in the short term, and he understands how to win games of football. And he's proven in the Premier League because that is always, you know, if you can do it in Syria, can you come over and do it here? The answer is yes, and a resounding yes at that. You know, he took over a Chelsea side where if you look at that team on paper and what it had been doing in the months before he arrived, for him to to take them on that trajectory and make them such an incredible winning machine was was nothing short of remarkable. So, yeah, a, a bad appointment in Jose Mourinho, um, a, a bad appointment in Nuno, and they've ended up um, quids in with, uh, with with one of the best in the game. So exciting times for Spurs fans. George, the ever-reliable Athletic app has just dropped through some England squad news for me. So we're, we're recording literally as the England squad has been announced. The headline news is that Jaden Sancho has had a difficult spell so far at Old Trafford. He's not in this squad. Jude Bellingham has been recalled after he was rested in the October international break. 
Tamori, Trippier and Lingard have also been dropped. Trippier probably a, a big surprise there because he's one of Southgate's favourites. And Rashford is back in the squad after injury. So, yeah, interesting. I'm surprised Trippier has gone. Not so surprised, Sancho. I mean, it's pretty boring, isn't it? I think that, that there are so many exciting young English talents who you would think, given that we're playing Albania in San Marino in, in a World Cup qualifier, where there is no need for us to to do more than just show up. Emil Smith-Rowe, uh, Max Kilman. Yeah, I thought he'd be in Smith-Rowe. Like, why not just take this time to, to have a look at these players and, and give them a chance to impress? Uh, it, it just seems like a massive opportunity wasted. You know, you, you recall Marcus Rashford because he's he scored a couple of goals. Coming back from injury, like he, we know what he is. Would he not be better served by, by continuing his return to form and return to fitness without having to go on an international break? You know, you've, you've got someone probably, you know, Kilman and Smith Rowe are the two. And, you know, Ben White's been dropped from the squad, which seems pretty harsh given his um, his, his recent form for Arsenal. Mason Greenwood, who is a, a key part of this side, uh, who seemingly can't really get a look in. These are the guys who should be playing in these to- in these in these games. Um, it, it seems pretty obvious to me, but instead we've got a squad full of players who have got plenty of caps. We know exactly what they offer. Uh, and I'm sure we'll win both games 7-0. The alarming thing for me is that an Aston Villa player has been dropped. It's not even mentioned. We're so bad at the moment that it would be mentioned in the article that Ollie Watkins isn't in the isn't in the squad this time around. I thought Mings might be in trouble, actually, after after getting dropped last week. But we'll mm. come on to that now. The preview of Southampton versus Aston Villa, which is the Friday night football on Sky Sports, Steve. And ten games in, Southampton start to the season. I'm definitely not coming to you about Villa, so I'll come to you about <laughs> Southampton. They've won the last couple of games. They've probably not been as bad as people anticipated. Now, I've got a couple of exciting players. Liveramento is outstanding. Yeah, I bet he's in your fantasy team, Dan, as a cheap option. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah of course he is. Uh, <laughs> I think, personally, as an outsider looking in, at, you know, they're 7-2 for the top half, 6-1 to to be relegated. The kind of price that they were at the beginning of the season. Um, they've had a couple of winnable games recently. Seven points from, from the last nine. You know, Leeds, Burnley, Watford... Um, you know, they've only given up 11 shots in the box against these three sides as well. So they, it, they've kind of suited what they are doing in this early stage as they were doing last season. We're just beating the poorer sides, you know, the bottom five sides. They took a hell of a lot of points off last season and they seem to be doing doing exactly the same. I think from a I'd be a little bit concerned from a from a finishing point of view. I think they had 12 shots uh, against Watford. Just one of those were uh, were on target. You know, I'm a big Adam Armstrong fan. Uh, George knows as well as anybody that the boy loves to shoot from absolutely anywhere, whether it be right foot, left foot. He ain't bad in the air either. Has he scored since the first game, Armstrong? No, he hasn't. hasn't No, no. 27 shots, one goal. Um, So here we go. Here yeah, we go he, then. Uh, right, no, yes, he, he will, George. I yeah, can almost yeah. guarantee it. Exactly. He's only had one shot in the six-yard box so far this season. But, you know, we saw in the championship last season, he's, he's not afraid to go either side or, or, or shoot from distance. So I'm hopeful that him and, and uh, Shea Adams can particularly find their scoring boots this weekend. But I, I think Southampton have done as well as to be expected from my point of view, Dan. I, I think there's... One of my pet hates when it comes to football fan rhetoric is is when fans say their team are going under the radar because what that really means is that they're picking up points and not playing very well, so no one really cares. But they'll tell you they're going under the radar. I, I think with Southampton, they've got a genuine shout of being the Premier League side at the moment who are going, going under, under the radar. radar. <laughs> who, are, who, who, are, who, are genu- who are generally playing quite well, uh, picking up 
points, probably outperforming. Because, you know, at the beginning of the season, when people were trying to find who the, the teams who would be relegated were, and there weren't very many obvious ones from kind of Premier League stalwarts, a lot of people were pointing out that Southampton had a very poor second half of the season last season and, and were possibly losing key players as well, Ings, Vestergaard. So I think they're doing okay. They didn't win a game for a long time, but they've won uh, two of their last three. Against Leeds, they, they won that game very comfortably and the, and the data reflected that. Leeds were incredibly poor, 1.83 XG to 0.45. They then drew with Burnley, but again, won the XG battle very, very comfortably, 1.43 to 0.67. And then again, against Watford, 1.91 uh, for 0.85 against and even the game against Chelsea that preceded that they lost that game 3-1 but the game completely turned when James Ward-Prowse was sent off with 10 minutes to go and they created themselves 1.53 Chelsea's 3.79 number massively bolstered by that last 10 minutes so yes they got off to a very steady start you know they didn't lose lots of games but they drew four in a row and it took them what seven eight games to get their first win of the season but I think they're trending in the right direction we know that in Ralph Hasenhutl they have a manager who's very very competent and you know they're what, just a shade of odds against to win this one? Yeah, 21 to 20 to win this at home to, to Villa, which I think is a fair reflection. You know, if you told me before the season started that, that Southampton would be 21 to 20 at home to Villa, and maybe that says a lot about Villa as well, I'd have been shocked because uh, certainly going into the campaign, Villa looked by far the more likely these two to uh, do anything towards the top end of the table. We need to absolutely get Villa off these preview shows at the moment. We need to stop putting Villa on Tiller. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'll talk about them too much. Keep, them on. Keep to, them on. With, Keep them on every no, week. Without having to go through this rigmarole every week as well. So, Steve, Villa spent a lot of the summer chasing James Ward-Prowse. He had a very good game at Villa Park last season, scored a couple of free kicks. Villa struggling from dead balls at the moment. I wish his suspension had been a little bit longer. Yeah, I expected West Ham to ask more questions of Villa from aerially, from set players. And just looking at... At, at, at your team generally um, the midfield as well how they would benefit from a player of of, of, uh, of Walprose's quality clearly things aren't going great at, at Villa Park at the moment so I think I was very surprised that you dropped Mings I thought that was very bold and which backfired but I suspect Dan that he'll be he'll be back in this weekend as well will he with, with, with injuries and suspensions maybe yeah I've got to say it was a decision I completely disagreed with I just think everyone's been off form there's no point singling out your club captain and the only organiser and leader at the club. I just don't understand. Yeah. I don't think that made the statement that Dean Smith thought it did. And then we've had to bring him on anyway, and we've conceded four goals anyway. So I'm just not yeah. sure it had the desired impact that Smith... Well, I think it, it was maybe game-specific, because actually Courtney Hawes did do okay against Antonio. Antonio didn't really run things up front like he has been doing for, for West Ham. But I think it's one of them decisions that, you know, you want it to be a strong decision, but I think it does more harm than good. But yeah, Villa in, in, in free fall at the moment. Lose on Friday and it's five in a row and serious questions will be asked of Dean Smith, unfortunately. George, what's your tip for this game? Close your ears, mate, I'm afraid. Um, I think it's just a straight up Southampton win at 21 to 20. As I mentioned, I think their performances have been pretty good recently. And at Villa, you just got to have massive concerns um, about particularly the, the defensive side of things. Teams are able to seemingly to, to create chances at will at the moment against uh, against Villa. And it's not ideal that you've made a, a big statement to drop Tyrone Mings only for the other centre-back, arguably the better centre-back, to, to then get sent off, be suspended, and then you've got to kind of rejig things again, not in the the sense that you wanted to. So, you know, Shea Adams and, uh, and Adam Armstrong may not be particularly clinical so far this season, but they're certainly getting into goal-scoring opportunities regularly. And, uh, and I think they will have no trouble doing so this time. So, as I say, I'd, I'd have been... 
very, very surprised. I'd have called you mad if you told me I'd be tipping up um, Southampton to beat Villa at 21 to 20 at the, be- at the beginning of November um, in the summer. But here we are. And, uh, and I think that's probably the value in the game. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Aldo shot! Oh, he's done it! He is quite extraordinary! He might just have saved United in the Champions League. Still the best in the business. 2-2. Manchester Derby then on Saturday, Steve. Manchester United versus Manchester City at Old Trafford. And Palace sprung a bit of a shock last week. Palace have been generally impressive this season whenever I've seen them. But to go to the Etihad, I know Man City had 10 men and and go there and pick up three points is still a big statement. And what does that tell us about Manchester City? That they're vulnerable. Sometimes that can put in the odd poor performer, poor by their their very high standards. Um, But they could also be very capable of just blowing teams completely away. Their home form probably isn't as good as we've... As we've seen, they have they have dropped points against sides that you would expect Southampton, um, especially at home. I know George has been very sweet uh, since the start of the season about Crystal Palace as well. So he probably wasn't as surprised as a lot of people from a bookmaking point of view. They were eighteen to one to cause that surprise as well. I don't think we've seen the best of of KDB yet so far this season, have we, Dan? Yeah, you know your boy Grealish has, hasn't been. Absolutely fantastic either. Sterling, very hit anymore, and miss. Dave. No, I know, I know. Your He's former boy. boy. Um, you know, Mares, you know, not not performing to his normal his normal standards as well. So you'd still rather be with Manchester City and, and, and against them. And they have a big chance today of putting of, of, at the weekend of putting down a big statement against their um, their biggest rivals as well. Yeah, Sam Lee actually did a piece on Grealish in the week, George, on The Athletic. I should say, at this point, if you're not already signed up to The Athletic, then you can do so for 33% off at the moment. Just head to theathletic.com slash footballpod to check out Sam's work and all the other great stuff that's going on on The Athletic. But Grealish is coming in for a bit of criticism. My, my criticism would be that, not on him so much, but that Man City are a, a bit Villa-like from last season still. Just give the ball out to Grealish on the left and see what happens, which I'm surprised at. I thought you play through the middle a bit more as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it's it's almost amusing as well where the, the first people to to criticise Grealish's form, and not, not saying Sam in this case, but but you know generally on social media and the like, are generally the people who said he wouldn't get a game and would be sitting on the bench for for, for his City career as well. Uh, he's played a lot more than people anticipated he would. Uh, I think playing at Villa, where you know he was always going to have the most touches of the ball, defenders were always going to double up on him. 
going from that to City is always going to take time. Now you are right, he is seeing a lot of the ball. He is stuck out on the left quite a lot and feels quite isolated. I think he would be massively helped with having a proper flying fullback uh, to the left of him. Um, you know, Zinchenko yeah, they're has... they kind of getting the same areas, aren't they? Cancelo exactly. and, and Grealish. And no, Zinchenko has um, his faults and, and a lot of um, neutral fans, I know, don't rate him at all, but I think he would be very, very interesting to play behind Grealish where he's very capable of coming inside and letting Grealish go around him on the so him playing on the underlap he's very capable of, of flying around the outside as well creating that pocket of space on the inside channel on the left so uh, but I would like to see him play centrally uh, I think his best position still especially in a team who have as much of the ball as City do would be left of a three um, in the midfield three Kevin De Bruyne's presence on, on the football pitch makes it difficult for him to to get that but as Steve says KDB has not been in great form um, and we know that with as long as Pep is um, manager of Manchester City, there's going to be so much rotation across the side as well. So it's November. He's played more football than, than even I, his biggest fan, would have thought he'd play. Um, he probably hasn't made the impact that I would have hoped. But it, I mean, it's incredibly early days. You look at how long it took Riyad Mahrez to really solidify himself as a, as a proper City first team player. Uh, and he came into the club when he was PFA Player of the Year, having just won the Premier League. So um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be writing off Jack just yet. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer alleviated a little bit of pressure on himself last week, Ken Steve. Came with a change of formation, three at the back, which I always felt Indiva managers under pressure. They quite often will throw the last dice that they have and go and go three at the back. It worked, but I think they've got a few issues at centre-back this weekend with injuries and stuff, so I'm not sure they're actually going to be able to do it against Manchester City. It felt like it was a week too late for Solskjaer because I feel like that was something that should have perhaps been utilised against Liverpool, but he does deserve credit for getting it right, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, of course he does. I suppose he was helped by the quality of the, you know, the opponent, uh, you know, which helped helped massively. I, I, I don't know whether the players lost, uh, you know, faith in, in in Nuno, but maybe the the people that make the key decisions in the boardroom, it felt like they, you know, they had already before then as well, and that was just a final nail for for Nuno. I think some big players defensively have have just haven't performed this season for Manchester United. I'm too, talking about two players that were great in the summer. Uh, Harry Maguire definitely for one of them. Um, it was it was pretty poor again in midweek. I don't know whether he's come back too soon from uh, from injury. He did start with a three, didn't he? But I think Varane went off and they and they went back to a four, and that's when Maguire got exposed just to, just a little bit more. Uh, talked about I've read some United fans talking about Luke Shaw being dropped and Tellez coming in. So you know that's you know that's how how far his standards have dropped after being fantastic in the summer. Um, I do give credit to the Manchester United fans, whoever's in charge of their football club. I was at the Albion in midweek against Hull City. It was nil-nil at half-time. Booed off. Just completely booed off. A, a team challenging in <sighs> towards the top of the league. And no, no, I know you'd say that. And I'm, 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 I'm sticking up for, for Manchester United fans here who, who always seem to... I know, there were, of course, there were going to be boos at home to, to Liverpool after getting hammered like they... They were so convincingly just a, just a week or so ago. But um, there does seem to be a lot of loyalty from Manchester United fans and whoever's in charge of their football club. Ronaldo's in the goals, George, especially in the Champions League. I mean, at the moment, he's just in outrageous form. Some of the goals he scored have been absolutely incredible, even for his high standards. It, it is unbelievable. Um, the, you know, the, the goal, of course, against Spurs was was a great strike and to have the anticipation to pull off that strike even though the defender's jumping ahead of you so he the, I mean he was unsighted basically until the ball was on his foot um, but it was the Atalanta goal that I thought just summed him up just a goal out of nothing really um, you know it was, a, it was a pretty lucky touch from, from Greenwood and then he steadied himself and, and made the assist and Ronaldo was there just to hit the the one strike the one place he could hit it kept it down uh, and, and 
you know, how many times have we seen Cristiano Ronaldo doing that in the Champions League over the last 10 too years? Too many, George. Too many. It is, it, yeah. It's odd that some people will tell you that it's Ronaldo's arrival at Manchester United that has caused their, their downfall. I, I have absolutely no doubt that if Ronaldo wasn't at the club things would be would be a lot lot worse yes he might not press but if you have a player of, of his talents even if he's however old he is you know you've got to find a way to, to get him on the ball in the final third as much as possible and when he does do that he he provides so um I, I'm really excited to see what is going to happen this weekend because you know I mentioned before the Liverpool game on this podcast how you know Solskjaer's um good record against Pep and against kind of the better sides in the Premier League would generally come when they've been set up to play on the counter and they had not been that recently. We're starting to see more of a shift towards that more defensive mindset. You know, we saw Tottenham dominate the ball. Even, you know, obviously game state plays a part when you're 2-0 up, but they still dominated the ball um, throughout the game. United were very happy to sit in and let them have it. We saw Atlanta... Um, at times, have a lot of the ball in, in, in United's half. You look at the goals that were scored by United uh, against Spurs, basically all fast breaks. You know, it was the ball over the top for Ronaldo for the first one. It was a three-on-two situation for Cavani's. Rashford's was a proper, you know, you, you 2-0 up. Um, the opposition are chasing the game, you get in behind. So it, it strikes me that they are better set up now to probably frustrate City and then hurt them on the counter. The issue they've got is they're going to have Ronaldo and Cavani playing up top, you would think from the start after their performance against Spurs. And, and that is not necessarily the personnel you want to be pulling that off. You know, you probably want there to be a Rashford and a Ronaldo or someone like that in order to hurt them. But it's going to be a fascinating tactical battle because Oli's record under Pep, sorry, Oli's record over Pep, I should say, is is so anomalous in my head that it, it barely makes sense but the uh, the latest chapter should be an interesting one with so much on the line yeah I suppose with Manchester United being at home um, Ollie would like to be on the front foot you know and, and, and really go for it clearly that's not going to work and I, like George touched on there I can see him reverted to type as he has tried or tried to in, in previous games as well I think the, the market expects goals in this Incidentally, Manchester United are actually touching four to one to win at home. Such is the the gulf between these two sides. It's probably around the same price as they were last season uh, between these two teams. Manchester United are clearly, the, from a bookmaking point of view, are the fourth best side in the Premier League according to the odds makers. But I can just see this being um, under two and a half goals, which is odds against, and I'm going to go for that one this weekend. Game three is Brighton v Newcastle, Saturday at 5.30. And only one place to really start with this one, George. What on earth are Newcastle going to get a manager? <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds like they're still keen to get one in for Brighton on Saturday. So so this could... It's a little um, bit late. They're leaving that a bit late. This, this could age quite quickly, this conversation. Um, Chris, I mean, Chris let, Wilder. Well, I, mean, I still think that... I mean, it's not going to happen, but I still think that would be a better appointment than, than maybe the one they were going to pull off. Whether Emery himself would have been a good fit, I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't seen Villarreal play a great deal in La Liga this season, but everybody who has seems to suggest there's a bit of a, an Oli ronaldo situation going on with Arno Danjuma being the key reason why they are having an OK season. You know, he isn't somebody who impressed particularly at Arsenal. It, it, it almost felt to me like bringing in a manager who who's 
you know, the allure of having somebody who's won Europa Leagues, the allure of having somebody who was once hired by Arsenal um, seems to be the key reason. It, it looks like they're going to end up with Eddie Howe. And, and I personally think Eddie Howe is an incredibly exciting appointment. You, you've got a guy who took over a club in League Two and except for a brief hiatus at, at Burnley, you know, he took Bournemouth from League Two up to mid-table in the Premier League. Yes, it unravelled towards the end, but I, I'm not having it that uh, a manager's you know, final six months that end in relegation is in any way more important than what they do to get to that point. It's, it's pretty rare that you get managers. You know, Chris Wilder is the other exception who becomes a Premier League manager due to their own achievements because they are the ones getting promoted three, four times to get there. You know, if, if you're going to list the, the finest achievements by English managers in the last 10 years, Howe has got to be in the top two or three. So that should be exciting. His ceiling is incredibly high. He hasn't, whilst Bournemouth spent a lot of money in that time, Chris Wilder didn't get quite so much money, did he, Steve? But whilst uh, no. whilst whilst Eddie Howe was was able to do that, not many managers could have achieved what he achieved. And it strikes me as, as a the right kind of appointment because in Howe you have somebody who will be a step up on on Bruce, should have enough about him to change the style and also improve the squad from now until the end of the season to get promoted might have a high enough ceiling to feasibly be the guy to take Newcastle to where they want to go but if he isn't be a good interim manager for the next two or three years whilst whilst they try and get there so uh, again not by design I think they've they've got lucky here but I personally if I was a Newcastle fan I'd be happier with how coming into the club than I would be with with Emery and they're also six to five to be to be relegated George so it's, it's, it's quite incredible really but we're talking about all this money and they could be playing. They could be playing Championship football next season. It's amazing. And, and, and Eddie Howe's got a got a promotion from that league, so it's perfect. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, and if you ask me for a price now, what price? You know, Newcastle are, the, are in the Championship next season. What price would you be them to win the league? I think it's a bloody tough one to price up. But I think it'd probably be around four to six odds on for them to, you know, to win the title. Unreal. And that you that you know, imagine. Um, I, I also agree with. Uh, with you George there about about Eddie Howe I think there's incredible naivety from from the people at Newcastle you know it, I, I personally thought Emery would have been a good appointment and I know it, in the past I've I've talked about Eddie Howe you know people talk about this fairy tale about Bournemouth about how he did it on a shoestring Eddie Shoestring was a I think was a detective in the 80s who's um <laughs> I think it, so he certainly called Eddie Shoestring in my house um yes he did spend a few quid on wages but he did do a very good job at Bournemouth, all things considered. I think it will be a step up for them as well. I think he knows the, some of the players there as well, some of the key players, Callum Wilson, of, of course, being being one of them as well. He needs to get a job soon, let's be honest, because you're soon yeah. forgotten in this game as well. And this seems a perfect opportunity to you know get back on board the merry-go-round. I mean, for those that say he took Bournemouth down, ultimately, yes, he did, but he did also kick them up three or four times. So he's got it, experience it, yeah, of winning yeah. the relegation battle. As I've well, been a critic so. in the past, Dan. I've been a critic in the past. Listen, he did a good job there at Bournemouth, all things yeah. considered. Absolutely. And for plenty of Newcastle content on The Athletic at the moment, George Colkin's your man. So, yeah, the ever-changing landscape at St. James's Park. If you want to read up on that, George Colkin is your man on The Athletic. Just a quick word on Brighton, Steve. They're already having a good season. They're already an exciting side, but Tyreek Lamptey coming back, he's a, he's a class act. That's going to make them love even him. more exciting. Yeah, love him. Bums off seats whenever he's on the pitch, you know, even for a fullback, just how far forward he gets on. He hardly, was it 20 minutes he played against Liverpool? He had more touches in the box than Oxlade-Chamberlain. You know, he just he just plays plays so advanced there. 33 minutes against Manchester City. Admittedly, they were, they were 3-0 down, I think, at the time when he came on. 
three touches in the box, four crosses, you know, get to the ball line, get it in. He had one shot on goal as well. Um, clearly, doesn't need to be rushed back with the with the hamstring issues that he's had over the last six, seven, eight, nine months or whatever. But it's another exciting addition to a very exciting Brighton side who are going great guns um, under Graham Potter. And again, who know what the, who knows what the ceiling is for Graham Potter? Yeah, I think Brighton will win this. Uh, I'm not going to tip them up at three to five. They're heavy odds on, but I think we're going to see a, a pretty similar game plan uh, with Newcastle as they try to to pull off against Chelsea. And we assume Graham Jones will be in charge, possibly not. But either way, Brighton, a team who who look to dominate possession, who look to have a lot of the ball. I think Newcastle are going to look to keep it very compact, keep it tight, and look to frustrate. And it's something they've been able to do fairly well in the past. It, it doesn't normally last ninety minutes though, so I'm going to go for draw at half time. Brighton at full time at one hundred to thirty. Right then, before we continue with the podcast, please remember that if you are going to have a bet this weekend, make sure that you do so responsibly. George, you've got some helpful tips on how to make sure that we do just that. Yeah, it's important to us that the listeners of this podcast are in control of their gambling. This is a podcast for those who are 18 years of age and older. Please ensure that you are only staking what you can afford to lose and do visit BeGambleAware.org for any information to ensure that you're gambling responsibly. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Sunday, two o'clock, we have Arsenal v Watford. I think that's one of three games, actually, that's at two o'clock on Sunday because of the Europa League, Europa Conference and all that jazz. Steve, I may be forced to review my stance on Arsenal. They were very, Mm. very good at Leicester last week. A kind of ground where they've tripped up over the years. Pretty much the whole team is under 25, bar Aubameyang and, and Lacazette. And they looked exciting. And, you know, you can kind of get on board with what Arteta's doing now. I'm, I'm saying this with a heavy heart. I do get a lot of stick from Arsenal fans for my, my stance on them. But they are looking like they've turned a corner. But they have had false dawns before. I'll throw that in there. Yeah, they, they have. I suppose a little bit of the gloss has been, you know, taken off from this great recent run with Conte coming uh, coming to their, their biggest and fiercest rivals. However, they are... Still favourites to finish above Tottenham, eight to thirteen that they do, six to five that they don't, and they are odds on to finish in the top six as well. Um, so they are two points ahead of them. I, I enjoy, I've enjoyed watching Arsenal uh, recently. I think um, someone I think who have watched and thought mm, he's not at it at all is a Bamiang. He seems to be at it at the moment. He seems to be seems to be banging form. He seems to be pressing a little bit more as well. He's certainly in good goal scoring form, particularly at home. Uh, I think he scored in the last four home games as well, which is which is good for good for them. And he's got a brilliant record against Watford as well, so he'll certainly be up for it um, this weekend, Dan. But it's exciting times defensively, of course. That uh, and you can't really talk about Arsenal 
these days without mentioning Aaron Ramsdale, and, and uh, who's been who's been absolutely fantastic as well. So exciting times, looking over their shoulder a bit to their North London rivals, but. Uh, yeah, after all the early criticism after those early games where they were pretty, pretty poor indeed against Brentford, Chelsea and, and the hammering against Manchester City. Could be good times ahead as well and could make top six race as well a bit more interesting, particularly with uh, with Manchester United looking a bit vulnerable at the moment. Mm. And that Ramsdale signing was largely scoffed at, George. I, I can't remember what you said about it, but you know, I was definitely one of the people that scoffed at <laughs> it. I scoffed, it, I, I scoffed thought, at it. I've, yes. I've had about 12 help, helpings of humble pie. And, yeah, same. Uh, and, and, and you know me, I don't need any excuse to get stuck into some pie. I thought I thought it was needless. I couldn't get why they did it, but he's more of a character than I, than I thought he was for, for a start. And he had, there's something, he's done something to that Arsenal team because they haven't lost since he's come into it. Yeah, I think, I think those who scoffed have ended up with uh, with egg on their face, but at the same time, I think there's no denying that Aaron Ramsdale has been better than anybody would have anticipated, and, and better than his performances previously have shown. You know, he's a keeper that I have had a lot of time for in the past. Anyone who was was kind of laughing at the idea of Arsenal signing a keeper who'd had two relegations in a row um, had quite little to do with Ramsdale, but similarly, his, his shot stopping since he came into the club has been on another level, and he seems to be a character who's, who's absolutely reveling in the role of being a, a number one keeper for a club who have aspirations towards the top end of the table. Um, you know, he personifies what this new era and this new generation of Arsenal players is meant to be all about. And, you know, a lot of people spoke about not just Ramsdale, but laughed at Arsenal's transfer dealing generally in the summer. But now, you know, I, I know the, the sums were, were fairly eye-watering, but you look at how Ben White has settled into life there. You look at Ramsdale. You look at Odegaard's good performances as well. They're building something pretty special there. You know, there's no reason why these guys can't be part of uh, a, a, a side who could develop towards the teams they, you know, they used to battle with. You know, they're, they're obviously a long, long way off that now. And I don't know if necessarily the manager is the right person to get them there. But, you know, Ramsdale rightly has been touted as being possibly England's number one fairly soon. I think it's given Gareth Southgate's loyalty to his players, I think it's incredibly unlikely that Jordan Pickford will ever lose that number one shirt until if and when he does make a mistake in an England shirt because it is incredible, his consistency. You know, it would be unbelievably unfair on Pickford to lose that shirt given how good he's been for England. Um, but if you ask me who the better keeper is, you know, I, I said it a couple of weeks ago to you, Dan, I think Ramsdale will be a better keeper than Martinez. I think Ramsdale's a better keeper than, than Pickford as well. Villa slander, George. I mean, if we'd stay, <laughs> we've moved on. We've moved on from Villa. Leave, leave, leave Villa alone. <laughs> Quick word on Watford, Steve. Then I mean, mm. a great comeback against Everton, and then a boring defeat to Southampton. Difficult job for Ranieri. I mean, you wouldn't even bail him being there by, by Christmas. It's <laughs> difficult, isn't it? They're a hard club yeah. to manage. Yeah, they, I mean, they're a second favourite stand for relegation at eight to thirteen, behind one to twelve for uh, Norwich. Villa. Are, Hold on, Villa seven to one for relegation. That's a bit big. Sorry, yeah. I mean, they, no, they've been, they've been very, they've been very Jekyll and Hyde, haven't they? I think under in the first three games, obviously the the hammering against against Liverpool and the and the poor showing at home to Southampton would be a worry. I think they he's, he's trying to get into them to start to start pressing more. I think he's put an arm around a few shoulders. Josh King, I think, has clearly benefited from it. More crosses in the box as well, which will which will be good for him. Saar's not in particularly good form at the moment, which is a slight concern. I think Ben Foster loves booting the ball up front. Whenever I was watching him under Tony Pulis, it was the long balls forward. We've seen a bit more of that. It's early. It's it's early days for him. Clearly, he's got his uh, he's got his hands full in keeping in, in Watford in the Premier League. But I wouldn't write him off just yet. How do you see it playing out on Sunday then? 
Oh, I think Abamyang is going to be the first goal. He's got five of the last six goals against Ars- uh, against Watford. A man in form. He's around three to one to score the first goal. I will be going for him, Dan, to break the deadlock. Captain Sensible there, Steve. The final game we're going to preview is West Ham v Liverpool. George, actually, the, you know, I know there's the Manchester derby, but this will be a cracker. This could actually be the game of the weekend. Yeah, it should be very good. Um, you mentioned there the the other big game of the day. Well, I mean, the, the odds suggest that there is exactly the same chance of West Ham winning this game as Manchester United. Both teams 15 to 4, the draw 3 to 1 for both, and the away win 7 to 10. So you're seeing there that the uh, the lads at Bet365 think there is the same quality gap between Manchester United and Manchester City as uh, West Ham and Liverpool, which is testament to David Moyes and the job that he's done, I think. Um, when you look at uh, how well Liverpool have started the season when you look at they're just coming off the back of another dominant albeit against 10 men but a dominant uh, win against Atleti uh, in midweek where they probably should have won by 4 or 5 but but only won 2-0 because they they weren't at their clinical best um, you know Moyes has now got a thousand games in, in management it's, it's an amazing achievement and I must say it's it, it's great to see a guy who's who was so widely vilified. You know, the, these guys, these managers, um, it's not often they get a second chance. Uh, and for Moyes to be given the respect that he's now being shown by a whole new generation of football fans. You know, remember guys who don't remember that that Everton team just know Moyes as being a bit of a joke figure at United, just being a bit of a joke figure at Sociedad, being a terrible manager at, at, over of a poor Sunderland side. Um, it's not often that these guys get redemption. So I'm delighted for him to, to have got that. I think the issue that he's going to have is that he is setting himself some very high standards here. I, I I just can't believe they're going to be able to maintain this. You know, you've got West Ham fans who are now looking at that fourth spot thinking, well, why why can't it be us? United are poor, Spurs are poor, even if they've got Conte in, Arsenal still put in poor, poor performances. They're the consistent ones. Um, you know, that, that, that loss to Brentford being a, a pretty rare slip uh, at home. So I, I do have some concern, especially when they're playing on Thursday nights as well. You know, West Ham will fancy the chances, Steve. I mean, that midfield mm. battle will be interesting. It's probably the one area of, of a little bit of concern for Liverpool, whereas West Ham in Suchek and Rice, it's arguably one of the best partnerships in, across the whole of Europe, really. So, you know, West Ham, I think they stand a chance. As good as Liverpool are, you know, West Ham are very good as well. I saw them in the flesh on Sunday. Declan Rice is on unbelievable form, unbelievable footballer. West Ham will fancy their chances. Yes, I think they will. Uh, Dan, I just want to echo Georgie's sentiments there about, about, about David Moyes, who's got you know, a smile on his face after, after some pretty tough times, I, w- I would imagine. Uh, his team are going great guns at the moment. 20 goals scored, second best XG in, in the Premier League as well. Um, and, and some of the players that he's been coaching have obviously you know, stepped up to the plate. Of course, you know, Antonio's been great. I think uh, Fornells has been has been, uh, has been been fantastic as well. Bowen seems to be in the form of his life at the moment. You know, mm. I know Antonio's not scoring goals, but Bowen, isn't Bowen's dad a Villa fan? I think he, he obviously was was pleased with last Sunday's performance as well. He had Can 10 we get through, let's get through, let's get through it, a preview without mentioning Villa. Just it, one of the games, please, Dave. 10, t- 10 touches in the box against 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 them. 29 touches in the final third. It's going to be an exciting game. And West Ham are going to give uh, Liverpool a hell of a game, I would have thought. But again, you talk about the midfield, they have some injuries. Of course, Wijnaldum scored a brace, I think, for PSG. He got his first mm. goals in midweek as well. Um, 
they are kind of mounting in, in the engine room. Cater, he just can't seem to get a run of games at the moment, Nabi Cater. He seems to be coming. I think well, we're going to see we're going to see him at his best now. And then he seems to he gets crocked, of course. Harvey Elliott's been out. Fabinho's come back. He returned against Atleti. He got an air under his belt. You know, Tiago was able Thiago, to come on yeah. there. Yeah, I thought Oxlade Chamberlain as well. He's kind of probably had his, his one of his best games in recent times as well in midweek. So there are options for there. I think the Firmino injury was going to be, I know they've got Jota to come in, but I think uh, Firmino being injured is going to be a huge blow, not not for his goals, clearly, but for the way that Liverpool play, you know, when he's in the side, we're going to have some good battles all over the park. And I think this is the, um, I'm looking forward to this game more than the Manchester United, Manchester City game, to be honest. My tip here, uh, I think Liverpool will win it. And, and I, as I kind of alluded to there, I worry about West Ham, uh, especially having to play on Thursday night. But I was surprised to see the price of, of Liverpool to win to nil. Now, goals are certainly forecasted. And you look at recent games between these two sides, basically Liverpool win them. Um, but there are a lot of goals in them too. But I think Liverpool is still a decent defensive side. I I think the 13-5 to five about Liverpool to win to nil has to be value. I, I can't anticipate that West Ham are going to hurt them too often and too much. It wouldn't be a massive surprise at all if it is a, a high-scoring game, but I think just looking at pure value, the 13-5 to Liverpool to win to nil is the way I play this. That's our five games previewed. Just enough time for me to remind you that you can sign up to The Athletic at the moment for 33% off, so just £3.33 a month for new subscribers. Just head to theathletic.com slash footballpod. My thanks to Steve and George and, of course, all you guys for listening as well. Remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss a show. And Mark Chapman, David Ornstein and company are back on this feed on Monday. You've been listening to The Athletic Football Podcast. Enjoy the weekend's football and have an excellent weekend. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.